You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Well, I'm so glad to be here today, and thank you so much, Pastor and Church, for allowing me to come. And it is a blessing. I have been anticipating this meeting in this church uh, just looking at my calendar and getting excited about being here and just planning my travels. And, uh, you know, I come from the same home church and the same sending church as Pastor Che. And so that's, that's something unique uh, uh, for me that I can visit. I was in a Christian school in our church. I was in high school. See, I was saved when I was 15 years old. And so 15 and 16 years, I was in 10th grade in high school, in Christian high school in our church. And Brother Che was in kindergarten during that time. And so um, some of the young people said, do you have any memories about him? I have a lot of memories, right? I remember a lot of things. I have a couple in particular. And they said, tell us about it. Do you have any pictures? Right? So, but I remember one time when some junior high boys were picking on some of the younger kids and some of the kindergarten kids. And I was a high school person, so I came and ran them off, right? I stood up for the kindergarten kids. I said, hey, leave them alone, right? And so I remember that very clearly, amen? So I stood up for the pastor when he was in kindergarten, but I'll tell you what, a a very unique memory that I have is when our pastor would would, um, talk about reading the Bible in a year, every time in January, he would always mention the, the Che brothers, and Johnny Che and, and, you know, his brother, and they would always be people who would read the Bible from cover to cover every year at such a young age. I mean, I remember they were, they were talking about they were eight years old and reading the Bible. And, you know, that's a memory that I have that stuck with me and challenged me. I was 16, 17, 18 years old, 19 years old, listening to that, you know, and saying, wow, that's a blessing. And that's something that encouraged me. And I remember that. Amen. So. They say that uh, how you use the Word of God and what you do with the Word of God will determine what God will do with you. And so it's amazing to come to this property and see this church and see the wonderful people that that God has led him to, to pastor and to to reach this community. And so that that is a blessing. You know, it was um, Pastor Che's dad or his father that made my first prayer card when I was getting ready for, you know, missions and evangelism and traveling. And it was before I was married. I mean, I was single, so I had just my picture only and a tent on there, you know. And then, and then of course, just develop as I, as I got married and just making my, my first prayer cards. And so that's, that's something neat for me. I want you to take the Word of God, please, and notice 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2. Notice in the Word of God, 2 Kings chapter 2. And I want to read verse 8, 9, and 10. This is a portion of Scripture that... We're using tonight, 2 Kings chapter 2, I'm going to read out loud, and you can just look, look along in the Word of God and just read silently in the, in the Word of God, 2 Kings 2, 8, 9, and 10, and Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. I want to bring a message tonight that I 
I call this message, Catch the Spirit. Catch the Spirit. See, here the text is talking about a mantle symbolic of the Spirit. And this is the story of Elijah and Elisha kind of passing the baton, passing the mantle to the next generation. And so we're going to speak about catch the Spirit. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's pray for a moment. Thank you, Lord, tonight for your goodness and your blessings. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for this church service. Bless us tonight. Help us to be encouraged, be motivated, and be uplifted in our spirits, God. And we thank you and we love you. Bless us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Catch the Spirit. So I want you to enter into the text tonight as we see the story about Elijah. He's the prophet. He's the man of God. And he has a preacher boy, if you will. He has a young apprentice who he is teaching and training. So we see a Bible principle here that we call mentorship. So we need to be able to train and teach others. You know, older Christians, more mature Christians, and older people should be training young people and teaching young people. It's a Bible principle. I mean, one-on-one, you know, just people, you take somebody under your wing and you teach them everything that that you know about a, a, certain, a certain task that God has given you. If you are involved in music, you teach other people about music. If you're involved in a different ministry, you teach them. You know, pastors train other pastors, and missionaries train missionaries, and, and, and ushers in the church. And if you drive a bus, and whatever you do, you teach and train others. And as parents, we have to teach and train our children, our young people. And we're losing that. I'm talking about things like fatherhood and, and, and parenting. We need to teach and train our young people. It is something intentional. It is something on purpose. So Elijah says, listen, Elijah, I'm not always going to be here, but if there's a request, if there's a petition, if there's something that I can do for you, what uh, is your request? And he says, a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. But then he says, you've asked a hard thing. Now, didn't he say, ask whatever you will? Now he's saying, This is a hard thing. You know, and the principle is this. It is not hard for God because God can do anything. There's nothing too hard for the Lord, the Bible says. There's nothing impossible for God. He can do anything. But he's saying, listen, this is a hard thing. Why why did he say that if there's nothing too hard for God? Why is the man of God saying it's a hard thing? You know why? Because it explains it in in the next portion of this text. He says, I'll tell you what, if thou see me. When I'm taken, he put a condition. He put a condition. If you see me, you know, God's going to take me someday. I don't know when it is. I don't know when or where it's going to be, but he's going to take me. I I, I perceive it in my spirit. Elijah is saying to Elijah, he says, but I'll tell you what, if you're there that moment, then if you see me, then it it shall be so. What he's saying is, since we don't know when that is, you're just going to have to be faithful and stick, stick around with me. You're just going to have to be by my side. You're just going to, listen, what, what he was saying is, there's some things that are caught, not taught. He's saying, you know, I can teach you and I can talk to you about some things and I can give you classroom material and I can teach you the theory of it. But he said, there's some things you're just going to, if you want to pray with power and fervency, you're just going to have to pray with me. You're just going to have to, you know, watch me pray and watch God answer. If you're going to want me to, you know, go preach the word of God and, and, and with fervency and with boldness, you're just going to have to come and preach with me and, and preach together so that the spirit can sort of rub off on you, if you will. And you can catch it by seeing the example. See, it's not just the message. It's the messenger. 
So we tell our young people and our kids, clean your room, son, take out the trash and help around the house and mow the lawn. But see, they have to see an example in us. They have to see servanthood in us. They have to see that we can wash the dishes and we can do things and, 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 and ladies help around the house. And the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 that the women would teach the younger women. You see, so, so servanthood and, and, and teaching and training, not only by saying, but by being an example. And we see that. So he puts a condition. There's nothing too hard for God. But he says, I want a double portion of your spirit. You know, spirit sometimes in the Bible is referring to attitude. It's like a, a synonym with the word attitude. It, it's the same thing. It's our passion. It's talking about our fervency or our passion, our spirit, our attitude. And he's saying, I want that. You know, attitude makes the difference in the churches. I have seen in the churches, you know, the churches have people, have, they have problems, all of them, you know, they have sinners. We're all sinners. And sometimes, you know, but when somebody has a bad attitude, that can hurt a church. That can be very hurtful when somebody has the wrong kind of a spirit that is critical, that is murmuring, that is complaining, that will hinder the, the plan of God in a church. So Elijah was by his side. And a chariot of fire came and took Elijah, took the man of God, and he leaves the mantle, symbolic of the spirit. And Elijah takes that mantle and, and, and he, he smites the waters, the Bible says. And they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest upon Elisha. So we see the passing of the baton or the mantle. We see the next generation. You know, I expect our young people in our churches to do more. I expect my children to do more than me. We need, we need to be able to teach and train our young people to, to, to reach their potential, to do more. And, and to be able to say, this is for God. It's for the Lord. It's for the work of God. It's for the work of the ministry. And so we see that. So Elisha, he caught the spirit. Did you know that he did twice as many number of miracles as e Elijah? I want you to see the same Bible principle in a different Bible character. Look in the Word of God, Numbers chapter 11, please. Numbers chapter 11. I want you to see Numbers chapter 11 in the Word of God. And this is a unique portion of Scripture that has the same Bible principle, but in a different Bible character. Numbers chapter 11, and notice please in verse 24. Numbers chapter 11, verse 24. I want you to notice where the Bible says, And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people, and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him, and took of the Spirit that was upon him, and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but, but went not out into the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. Look at verse 27. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. So what is happening in this text? You know, Moses, he's tired. He's, he's weary. I mean, the people are complaining. The people are murmuring. They're talking about going back to Egypt. They're talking about setting up a captain and, and going back. And they prefer, instead of going forward with the plan of God, instead of following Moses and doing the will of God, and they've already seen all these miracles and all these blessings, they're complaining and murmuring. And, you know, Moses is getting tired and weary in his spirit about all this. And, and uh, 
you could just imagine in the text, some verses will say that, you know, Moses, he calls to the Lord and prays. And I think he kind of said, you know, Lord, I didn't pick this job. I didn't choose this ministry, Lord. It's, it's not my people. It's your people, Lord. It's not, it's not about me. And he often says, it's thy great name. What are they going to say about thy great name? See, so Moses is, you know, he's, he's, he's reminding God about these things. And God said, you know, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to help you out. Call a prayer meeting. And, and I'm going to take your passion, your fervent spirit, the fire in your heart, and I'm going to place that upon the 70 elders of Israel so that they can also motivate the people. And you can go forward with the plan of God. And so this is what happens. The same thing. You know, one time I started a church in Rockford, Illinois. And that was kind of a time where uh, I tried to, I guess, do something different. And, you know, I started a, a church and it was a Spanish-speaking, all-Spanish-speaking independent Baptist church. And I borrowed borrowed a building from, from a church, and I said, we're going to start our own, our own separate Spanish church if I can borrow the building. They gave us an open door, for rent free and everything, a nice little building. And so we started a church with 17 people on our first Bible study. It was a Thursday night, and I didn't know what to do. I mean, I didn't have anybody helping me or anything. So um, I started it on my birthday, and I brought a cake and I brought some uh, family members and some neighbors, and I just said, come to my birthday party, and we're gonna, it's going to be in the church, and we're going to have a Bible study. So maybe that can kind of boost the attendance, you know? At least got to come up with something to, you know, to bring people. So we had 17 people on that day, and I said, you know, we had our, our cake, and we had everything, and, and uh, we had our Bible study, and I said, I'm going to see you here next week. So church is open. And so we started having Thursday night services, and then we opened up and our first Sunday, and we had 60 people. I mean, we had more people than the church who was letting us borrow the building, you know, and we had 60 people. And so Mexican people, Spanish-speaking people, you know, people from Central America, and we had our, our opening Sunday, and just like anything else, attendance goes up and it goes down. These are new people. These are visitors. Went back to 40 and 35 and just sometimes 50, sometimes 30. If it rained or snowed, 25 people, you know, just up and down attendance. But it was about 30 people. And I said, you know what? We're off to a good start, church. You know what? Let's have 100 people. Let's plan for a special big day, something I learned at my home church from big days and from outreach. And, and uh, our pastor would say, sign them up. Sign them up. Let's get people to sign them up for a big day. So I said, church, bring friends, invite people. You know what? Let's get excited. I gave everybody a pew. We called it Pack the Pew. And we said, here's a little paper. You sign up friends at work and, you know, neighbors and people. You get them to promise to come. You get them to commit. You got six weeks to do this. And I had some people say, you have another one of those little papers? I already filled up a pew. Can I get a second pew? I got, I put it in the break room and my friends at work, they're coming. They signed up. And I had a, some, some teenagers said, hey, my friends at school are coming. You know what? They started getting excited. Somebody said, well, I don't know who to bring. So my mother-in-law's coming and, and, and you know, my, my uh, cousins are coming and my, my in-laws are, you know, brothers-in-laws are, are, are coming and all these people, everybody, I said, I don't care. It could be a pet. Bring a cat, bring a dog. We'll count it. Let's just try to get a hundred people. 100 people, everybody counts. And uh, so we just started inviting all these people. Everybody was excited about it. But there was one lady in the church 
happened to be somebody who came from, from a church background in, in her home country. And so I thought she was the most mature Christian in the church because she had a church background. And, and she came and she said, Pastor, we are not going to have 100 people because we're a new church, we're a small church, we're a Spanish church, and I think you're setting up yourself for disappointment. And you're setting up the church for disappointment. She said, I, I've belonged to churches for many, many years. And you don't just pull it off like that. I said, sister, listen, we may not have 100 people. But if we have 70, 75, if we have 80 people, at least it's better to try something than to not do anything. I said, you know, the result doesn't matter. Let's leave it up to the hands of the Lord. It's the effort that matters. It's the, the motive that matters. It's, it, it's trying to do something. It's to preach the gospel. So let's just work hard and trust and pray to, to God that He will bless it. And we'll enjoy the results. So this sister was going around talking about, we're not going to have 100 people. We're not reaching our goal. So she went laughing and smiling and talking to other people in the church, saying, you know, the pastor, he's young. He's getting started, you know. This is his first pastorate and all this stuff. And, and just, just laughing and discouraging, saying, we're not having 100 people. Discouraging everybody. While everybody's getting on fire and filling up their pew and signing people up. Well, guess what? Fast forward six weeks later. How many people do you think that we had on that Sunday? That's right. You guessed it. We had 100 people. Well, you know, actually we had 99, but one lady was pregnant. So, so we reached our goal of 100. It counts. It's a soul, right? So we had 100 people. You know, I was so excited about 99 people. And we had a wonderful service. People got saved. People got baptized. People got added to the church. People became acquainted with the church that probably would not have come, you know, otherwise. And so we had a wonderful time. We had a meal. That was the only thing that we did to attract people. We had a meal. And people brought their guests, their visitors. But we only missed one person to, re to reach our goal. We had 99. But... We just needed one more person. Well, can I tell you something? That sister who said that we weren't going to have 100 people, well, on that day, she just didn't come on that Sunday. She just didn't come. I mean, even if she didn't bring anybody, even if she didn't invite anybody or believe in the program, but on that day, you know, she was the most faithful person, most mature Christian that I had thought, but on that day, she just didn't come too busy doing other things. If she just would have came, we would have had 100 people. But you know what the problem is? The problem is her spirit, her attitude was not in tune. It was not lined up in tune with the program of the church. It was not in tune with, this, with the program of the leadership of God upon the pastor. It was not on the same channel. It was not on the same page. You know what? We need to get on the same page. We need to get in tune. Our attitude, our spirit to be one, like the Bible talks about, as one man, to, to be uh, in unity, in the unity of the spirit. 
to be working together. Like the Bible talks about Gideon when it says, as one man. Like the Bible talks about the church unanimously when it says, working together as one body, collectively, under Christ as the head of the church. And so that's what we need. It's easy to find things to nitpick about. It's easy to find things to disagree. It's easy to find things to complain and murmur. It's easy to compare ourselves with one another. It's easy to find fault and offenses in one another. Why can't we have the right spirit and be fervent in spirit, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord? Why can't we say, you know, catch the spirit? Let's get that mantle. Let's get that right spirit. Let's say, let's follow the program of the church. Let's follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You know, our spirit, our attitude is, is motivated by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit of God gives testimony. It bears witness. Our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. And so... It is the Holy Spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit, our attitude. And in like manner with everything else. Not just that we're the children of God, but everything else that we need to do. And so we need to get our spirit on the same channel, on the same page, to be lined up. And this is what ha was happening. Now, something in this story is two young men said, well, we're not part of the elders, but we want to pray too. So we'll just pray outside. But Eldad and Medad prayed outside. But somebody saw that. They said, well, let's run and tell Moses because they're not allowed to do that. They shouldn't do that. And maybe they're new in the, you know, they're new in the church or something like that, you know. And they come and tell Moses. And the Bible says that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, it even says a young, a young man. See, Joshua was being trained for the ministry, was being mentored by Moses. And it was Joshua who was still immature, who was still, uh, you know, not ready for leadership. It was Joshua, he said, Moses, don't let them. Don't let them pray outside the camp. This is only for the 70 elders of Israel. It was him. That's what the text says. But the Bible says in verse 29, please look at the word of God. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. You know, Moses is kind of saying, what do you talk about, Joshua? I wish everybody would have gone to that prayer meeting. I wish everybody would get on the same page with the plan of God and the program of God to do the will of God. What do you, what do you mean, don't let them? He said, I wish everybody, in fact, you should go there and pray. And get your spirit in line with the Holy Spirit of God. You see? So Moses is training Joshua. And he's saying, this is something important to have your spirit in line. You know, through the years, God called me to preach in our, in our home church. God led me into tent evangelism. Very unique, very particular ministry. Very different, sometimes in some cases outdated, something old-fashioned, something different. And God led me into this ministry. God put everything together for us. I said, Lord, I was a bus kid. I was a teenage bus kid. When I came to church, I was 15 years old. I, I come from the Chicago inner city street gang neighborhoods. And the bus came and the soul winners came and brought me to church. And the church loved me and they discipled me. And, and they, they, they helped me. And it was... It was that embrace, it was that, that love, that gesture of love that kept me in the church. 
Might have been the, you know, there was promotions on, hey, come and ride the bus and we're going to do this. I mean, the church did all kinds of promotions. Candy from heaven, big helicopter, dropping candies everywhere, bringing bus kids all over, seeing, you know, this fun things. Our pastor, you know, was having uh, some alligator, nuggets of alligator to feed the people. Can you imagine that? Like chicken nuggets, but alligator nuggets. Our pastor was doing things, you know, to attract people and say, that's kind of neat. Let's go see and let's go get a taste and all this. On the same day of the helicopter and all this stuff, yeah, we came for the promotions, but we stayed because of the love of the people. I, I stayed because somebody would take me under their wing. Somebody would take me under their arm and say, hey, let's go. Let's go to McDonald's, get a bite to eat. I want to talk to you a little bit. And let's go, come with me, and I want you to come with me, and I want you to come soul winning with me, and you don't have to talk or say anything. I'll just, just listen to me. And pretty soon, I started giving tracks and started soul winning. Pretty soon, I said, well, what, what he's doing, maybe I could try that. You see? So there's some things that are caught, not taught. And we need to teach and train others and get excited. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see? So just love people. Just reach out to people. Give tracts and win souls. Get involved with the program of the church. There's a place for everyone to serve. And it's a bigger picture. And so we see that. Now, can I tell you about Joshua? He was rebuked here by Moses. I think Moses said, what are you talking about, Joshua? You need to get your spirit right. I wish everybody. What about in the church? What if everybody would just tithe? How about that? What if everybody would just be a soul winner? What if everybody in the church would just be faithful to church attendance? What if everybody in the church would just give to missions? What if everybody in the church would just be in their place and get involved? That would make a big difference. We could see God do greater things in the church and through the church. God called us to go to Mexico and to go to the Spanish-speaking countries and just preach and God put things together for us. We began to pray for a tent, and God gave us a tent. There was a time I had up to four tents, and I gave one away to another evangelist, and I uh, uh, have two tents now, and so I keep one in Mexico, and I keep one in the United States, and a little bit different, unique kind of a ministry. Sometimes I, sometimes I thought in 19 years of ministry, why can't, just, why can't I just be a normal missionary that just goes somewhere and stays, you know, like in, a, like in a different country and just stays, maybe starts churches, you know. But God has given us a unique calling. God has given us a unique ministry. One time in, in years of discouragement, I said, wife, you know what? We'll sell the tents. Let's, let's just sell it. Maybe we'll get some money from it. Maybe we'll just be a normal missionary, you know, put the tents for sale. I put them up on Facebook. I put it up on eBay, on, on the Internet. Two years trying to sell it. Nobody. I said, I'll deliver it to your front door. I said, I'll throw in the trailer for free. Listen, I dropped the price. All these other ministries trying to buy tents. Nobody. And God told me one day, you need to stop being silly. God told me. You need to stop being silly. And then my wife told me, you need to stop being silly, right? <laughs> and you need, to, you need to go to work. You need to get those tents out of storage. You need to, if you need new two-by-fours, you need to work on it, get what you need, go back, go to work, go, go, go to the churches, get on fire for God, and God will provide everything, and God will, will do everything. And God has blessed through the years. And we've seen meetings 
in Monterey, in the city of Monterey, one time I, I held an area-wide meeting. We had 12 cooperating churches, and I just put up a tent in a, in a park, and we had 12 churches come out and support the meeting, uh, and we had 700 people every night during that evangelistic meeting, and God has given us different meetings through the years. In Campeche, we had a stadium meeting for 2,000 people, packed out, filled 2,000 people in that stadium and would go there every year to go have that meeting. Different meetings. Some are uh, with 200 people, 300 people. The number doesn't matter. It's all the effort. Sometimes even in small villages. Sometimes I said, Lord, I'm going to go to some of the small villages because it's the gospel. It's the, it's the power of the gospel. It's, it's souls. Every soul counts. Every village counts. Every city. I was in Gainesville, Texas with a tent set up a couple, three weeks ago. We have a tent meeting in Mesquite, Texas in a couple of weeks. So just different meetings, different. You know, I was with Dr. Joe Boyd in Salt Lake City, Utah, 1995, the capital of Mormonism. They had invited Billy Graham for a big crusade, and he said no. He said, you can't have a revival there. You can't do anything in Salt Lake City. That's the capital of Mormonism, the Latter-day Saints. So he said no. So the fundamental churches got together and said, well, we want to have a revival. Let's bring somebody. They brought Joe Boyd, and I happened to be a part of the team. So I was 19 years old with a couple of preacher boys and this older preacher with a tent. And we were there for six weeks in a revival meeting. Every night, night, every night, the preaching of the gospel. It was so packed out. I mean, standing room only. No more cars can fit in the parking lot. People everywhere. Mormons everywhere, people, and all this big revival. Churches came out, driving two and three hours away, a great revival meeting. One lady came and she said, I need to speak to the pastor. This is an emergency. It, uh, it's urgent. So they brought her, you know, they said, what can we do? And, and to, the, to, the, to the guest preacher, to the evangelist, how can we help you? She said, listen, I need to know how to be saved. I, I'm trapped in Mormonism because she was the great-granddaughter of Brigham Young, who is a Mormon prophet. And this was the great-granddaughter saying, look, I'm a descendant of the Mormon prophet, but I'm trapped in this religion. It doesn't convince me. And I need to know the truth, how to, how to be saved, how to know God, and what the gospel really is. They showed her it's by the, by the blood of Christ, and salvation is by faith. They showed her it's by the grace of God. They showed her the plan of salvation, just... Receive Christ in your heart. Call upon the Lord. Repent and trust Christ. And she did that day. She called upon the Lord and was saved. Brought her husband. He got saved. They got into water. They got baptized. Because of her position, if you will, she had death threats on her life. They said, if you change religions, they were going to kill her. The radical, extreme Mormons. She said, I want to obey the Lord. I, I want to be baptized and I'll, I'll move away. She, she had to leave the state and move and, and, you know, move her house and all this. But she said, I want to be obedient first. And she obeyed the Lord in baptism. You see, so it was in a meeting like that where I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I was 18 years old, 19 years old. But God gave me a vision in my heart. God gave me, the Bible says, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And through my spirit, I was able to perceive a calling, perceive and God said, go preach the, to the Spanish-speaking people. Did you know today, September 16th, today is the Mexican Independence Day? 
Did you know that? Today is a Mexican national holiday, and God brought you a Mexican preacher. Amen? You see? So that the church could be consistent with the calendar. Amen? You know, I'm, I'm American, born and raised in the United States, in Illinois. Completely American, 100% American, and I'm Mexican too. And especially I'm Mexican because of my parents through, through being a Mexican des descendant. But I also became a legal na uh, nationalized Mexican through documents. And so I have dual citizenship. So what I'm trying to tell you is I'm really confused. I don't know what I am. Amen. God said one day, just enjoy being both things. Just enjoy being both things. You know, Moses, he, Moses grew up in Egypt. And he said, well, he's a prince of Egypt. I mean, he's in the house of Pharaoh. But then he says, wait a minute, I'm not really Egyptian. In fact, if Pharaoh had his way, he would have killed me when I was a young child. And Moses starts saying, hey, leave that Israelite alone. That slave, leave him alone. In fact, he even kills an Egyptian, stands up for him. And they said, who made you a ruler over us and a judge over us? So Moses says, if the Israelites don't accept me and the Egyptians, then I'm really in trouble. I don't know. I better run. So Moses runs in confusion, but God calls him. You know, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your life is. I don't know what the problems in your life are, but God has a plan but it all starts with attitude. You know, we're, try, we're always trying to figure everything out and read books and learn more and this. Just, get our, just start by getting your heart right with God. Just start by getting your attitude right with God. And God will lead you. God will bless you. God will use you. I want you to see the last thing, please. Numbers 27. Numbers 27. Numbers chapter 27. I want you to see. You know, that rebuke of Moses when he told Joshua, I wish you, everybody would just get on the same page, including you, Joshua. Well it, well, it sunk in and it worked. Because look at Numbers 27, verse 18. Numbers 27, 18, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Did you see that? We're talking about a time where Moses is passing the baton, passing the mantle, resigning from ministry, if you will, dismissing himself. His time has come to an end, but now somebody has to take his place, the, the, the ministry of leadership. Well, God said, take Joshua. You've trained him. You've mentored him. You, you, you've been with him. He's caught the spirit. It took him a while because when he was younger, he didn't get it. In Numbers chapter 11, he didn't quite get it yet. But now in Numbers 27, it caught on. Because now, take thee Joshua in whom is spirit. Do you see the deciding factor? Sometimes people say, well, how come the pastor doesn't put me in Sunday to teach Sunday school? And how come the pastor doesn't put me? Doesn't, you know, I've been in church longer than anybody else. All this stuff. Sometimes people get bent out of shape about stuff like that and things. You know, the deciding factor is not necessarily age or years it is attitude it is spirit that's what the bible says about joshua it says take joshua and whom is spirit you know the bible says about apollos in the book of acts he was somebody mighty in the scriptures powerful in the scriptures fervent in spirit the bible says paul about to timothy talk about the fire 
God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we need to get on our spirit right with God and say, Lord, let's get collectively in a body together on the same page. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.